It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You are locked on, Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Knicks is on rebound, back up off the glass, it's good. RJ Barrett brings the Knicks to the What he does is he contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane, knocks foul from behind. Count it and one. As fist becomes infectious. Welcome in, everyone, to Locked On Knicks. We are back, mailbag part two, because, damn it, you guys are really good at giving us impromptu mailbag questions. We asked for mailbag questions. Gavin, what time did you put out that tweet? It was, like, after the game, wasn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was quite a bit after. It was, like, 10.30, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, 10.30. It was, like, the game was done, man, and everybody was still hanging around, and you guys sent us, like, I think I counted, and it was, like, 23 people responded and some of you guys had multiple questions. That's awesome. And we very much appreciate all of you for listening and for always engaging us with our shenanigans when we decide to do a mailbag instead of talking about another 40 point blowout. So we'll just hop right in because we got a good amount of questions again on this show. Uh, so our first question comes from a consistent listener, consistent mailbag contributor, Osiris 809 at PS Bart 02. Uh, he just sent us, uh, I just wrote it out in our sheet here. It was a, uh, a gif of Pippin from Lord of the Rings saying, is there any hope Gandalf? And, uh, so I'm, I'm guessing he wants to know if there's any hope. I, my answer is yes. I mean, I don't but I'm a glass half full type. Um, 
I think there's hope. I don't know. I mean, there's hope for many things, the Knicks among them, but there's hope for this world as well. You know, I don't think we've, I don't think we've lost our way just yet. I think we're down a bad path right now, but we're going to f- see the light eventually. Uh, just like the Knicks will someday. I don't know when. I don't know exactly like when it's going to happen, but you know, I think, I think that there's hope because of guys like RJ and Frank, um, and because of potentially DSJ if he figures stuff out, potentially Knox if he, you know, really grows his game, uh, which he's shown, you know, I think the ability to this year. So yeah, th- there's hope. You know what I mean? And there's another, it, it looks like another potentially fairly high lottery pick on the way. I mean, the Knicks could always, even if they finish at, you know, the eighth odds or whatever this year, if they somehow manage to, you know, pull it together a little bit more down the stretch of the season, uh, we saw last year that the odds don't really matter as much anymore and teams are going to be hopping each other all the time now in the draft lottery as long as these new odds stay intact. So yeah, I, I feel pretty good about the future. I mean, things will, things will correct themselves eventually. Eventually, you know, they'll get a coach that kind of knows what they're doing. And the talent's going to speak for itself. You know, you, you can't hold a guy like R.J. Barrett down for too long, uh, you know, as he goes forward in his career. I, I think that he's going to end up being really good. And, uh, it, you know, as as time has already kind of shown, like Frank Nilakina, you can't, you can't even hold a guy like him down too long before the talent starts really showing itself too. Um, and I think we'll see that with a lot of the guys on the Knicks. And uh, things, things will look up eventually. That that would that would have been a loaded uh, dark mailbag question. What's in a worse state, the Knicks or the world? And I really, I, I genuinely <laughs> don't know the answer, and I'm not sure which one uh, scares me more. But I, I would say the Knicks issues are are actually more easily fixable. Because here's the thing: I mean, for the last 20 years or so, they've literally they've been a GM away for two decades. They just they never hired that guy, and it. it it seems like, I mean, Dolan didn't even realize until Phil Jackson that, like, hey, maybe this is what I've been missing this, like, the, the, um, this entire stretch of awful, awful basketball. And they had, they had that short run with, with Donnie Walsh where actually I thought he was pretty good. And then, of course, they got rid of him. So, um, that, that was the end of that. But if this is the summer where Dolan has his sort of come to Jesus moment and is like, okay, I need to, throw an incredible record setting amount of money not at phil jackson who's never done this job before and is is past the point of caring but at someone who has an incredible track record of success and isn't too old to be burned out and will still sort of give a shit and and that would be masai ujiri um that could be someone like uh sam hinky that could be there there there's so many dudes I, i don't know why i just pulled sam hinky out but um, there, there are quite a few guys across the NBA that uh, qualify. I don't know. I can't think of his name right now. But even like the Nuggets GM. I mean, we saw tonight just how incredible. I think it's Tim Connolly, if I remember correctly. Um, just how incredible the roster that they've put together, where they legitimately have like 12 guys who might be the Knicks' best player this year. That's an exaggeration, but not by all that much. So if you hire that GM, I mean, the thing that you you give Perry and Mills credit for is like the Knicks, like outside of uh, he who should not be named with extenuating circumstances there, the Knicks haven't really taken any of their assets off the table, and they actually have extra first-round picks over the next few years. So if you have someone who can manage that correctly and leverage it in all the right possible ways, they're not really that far away from being a competent NBA franchise. I mean, you can argue they're, they're maybe even only a year off from being decent and being on a trajectory to being a really good playoff team. It's just finding that right guy, and, and it's it's literally one hire because he's going to be the person who will make the right coaching hire. He'll be the person who 
builds around Frank, RJ, and Mitch the right way, who actually understands that those are the dudes you have to prioritize. I mean, there was this incredible stat tweeted out tonight, Alex. Um, I think it was originally via Bleacher Report, but it was just, it was sort of emphasizing. I'm trying to scroll down to it, of course. I, I lost it in, in the moment, but it, it was basically just noting that I think Mitch, Frank, RJ, and um, I think that might have been it. Those three guys, Mitch, Frank, and RJ, and maybe there was one other who I'm forgetting in there, have played a total of, of something like 20 minutes. Oh, here we go. Heading into their game against the Denver Nuggets on Thursday, the Knicks trio of young top 10 picks, RJ Barrett, Frank Nilakina, and Kevin Knox, had played a total of 58 minutes together. Those three plus Mitchell Robinson have shared the ball for 15 minutes all season long. Uh, that that's nuts to me, and you get a GM that realizes that there's something inherently wrong with that and, and does something to correct it, all of a sudden that could very, very quickly turn around the trajectory of this franchise. So I, I really, I think they're just one higher away. So if, if you want a reason for hope, that's it. If you want to be glass half empty, you could say that's been true for the last 20 years and they never hired that guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, all it's going to take, I, I'm not even... I mean, this, this is probably controversial because I know it's like the, the trendy thing to be like, oh, my God, Mills sucks, Perry sucks, whatever. I I still think they did about as good as they could have with the hand they were dealt this past summer. And, like, I really just think that, it, to me, it's on Fizdale right now. I want to see how a, how an interim coach does and if someone can milk a little bit more out of this roster and actually use these guys in sensible ways. Um, I think that I think that the heat will come off of the front office a little more. Not that I think that Steve Mills is like some genius or whatever, like, cause I don't. And if, if given the choice, I would take Masai Ujiri. But I think that even if the Knicks and Dolan specifically, who, you know, is loyal to like his people, you know what I mean? And, and Mills is like, without a doubt, one of his people that he's been rolling with for a long time. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Knicks could still be okay if they just get someone out there coaching the team that can actually put together good rotations and stuff like that. So, you know, to your point though, again, definitely, definitely there's hope. There's still hope, you know, there's always hope. And what, what are we even watching for? If there's not hope, you know what I mean? Um, Oh, wait, can I, I just, could I just quickly, I just want to interject for one second. Can, sure. can we just say, and you might disagree with this, but I would just say objectively, like not the brightest move to sign Randall and, and I know, I know you could say that that's retroactive, but I mean, I will, I will say in my defense that I was saying that from the second they signed him and before they signed him. I mean, the fact is, is that it's it's more or less zero risk, though. You're taking a, you struck out on on the guys for various circumstances. I still think Durant only didn't sign because he tore his Achilles, and which then made it Kyrie's decision where they got to go rather than Durant's decision because I think they were going to go as a package deal regardless. I'm kind of happy to not have Kyrie. Anyway, because of all the craps coming out now, again with another team, uh, you know now that he's in Brooklyn and they're playing better without him anyway. Anyway, besides the point, um, I, I think they did what they, you know, like what was a reasonable move and like realistically, Randall's contract isn't bad. It's only for two years. Like we said on the last show, um, you know, free agency. There's nobody in free agency this year, so it's not like you're saving that money for anybody else this year. But even if the Knicks do find themselves in a situation where they need cap space this upcoming summer, because of the deals they sign everybody but Randall to, they'll have a max slot this summer again. If should they need it or should anything arise where they want to, you know, take someone into space or whatever, so that's fine. Um, and you know, I don't think Randall's a perfect player, but I think he's 
I think he can be a better player than what he's looked like this season. And he could be closer to what he was with the Pelicans last year, which is a guy that was so efficient on offense and a good rebounder and all that, that it negated a lot of his defensive shortcomings and at least made him like a net even player, which like if you can get a guy like that on a team with a Frank Milikina and a Mitchell Robinson, then that's like pretty solid. Like, cause then he's then not as much is on his plate as far as defense goes. So, I don't know. Uh, I I guess. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, just to respond to that, I mean, I, I would only say, like, I, I think the Knicks would be better off as a team this year without Randall on the roster, period. And I, I've been making that case for a while, but I think the guy, and, and this was my issue with him going back to New Orleans, I mean, I, I just think he takes stupid shots. And I don't know, I'd have to go back and look, but I mean, the stat I kept referencing this offseason is that at least in regards to, like, when he was playing, like, with the Pelicans best players a year ago and maybe you could argue this is a different role than what he played on the Knicks but like he was in like the aggregate a negative and I I just I think we've seen all the reasons why this year like his shot selection and his inability to be double teams like I I don't necessarily agree that he's he's a positive and the only way you could flip that around is saying all right like can you trade his contract for a first round pick because then it's it's worth the struggles now if you could turn him into something and I I honestly I don't think I don't think they could I don't know like who would like is is there a team like what what team would would want Julius Randle right now like does, does it even matter nobody needs to take him nobody like you can literally just ride it out he's only on a two plus one deal like that's the whole point is you you get two seasons with him I mean but, and like what's ulti- ultimately that's not going to kill you also the thing last year he if he was taking bad shots then more power to him because he's making them I mean he shot his true shooting last year was it's like, 60%. Yeah. 60% true shooting. I mean, that's fantastic. That's a great number. But like his defense was, like, about as bad as it gets. I mean, he was... His defense was, like, fine enough, though. You know what I mean? Like, it, um, uh, my buddy Dallas from P&T wrote a good piece on it, and he actually came on the pod. I did an episode with him before the season talking about Randall's defense and how he could potentially fit with Mitch and stuff like that. And, you know... Randall is hideable on defense, I think, particularly if you have him out there with some other like elite defenders. Um, I just think the Knicks really don't have a good defensive scheme in general, which amplifies how bad of a defender he is. But then on top of that, the Knicks are also, you know, like using him, misusing him so much on on offense that that's completely it's making like a huge negative player um, and sinking that true shooting number. His all of his percentages are down field goal percentage wise. I mean, it's just it's really ugly. So, um, but I, I think I don't. know. I mean, this is a hell of a debate that's stemmed from this is there hope question. But um, <laughs> uh, it's it's like a whole thing. I, I I think that he could be a net neutral if nothing else, and if, if not a net neutral little bit of a plus player, which is fine on a team that's at the stage that the Knicks are at. If you just have guys out there that are even like, you know, a plus one in net rating or whatever, that's good enough. And I think that Randall could be that if he's schemed properly on offense and on defense. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, I'd like to, I mean, to your point, I'd like to see him with a good coach, and clearly he doesn't have that right now, and that's fair, and that's a valid argument, and he, he, as an individual, deserves that opportunity. The the only, the final thing I'll say on it is, I mean, the, the negative of having a guy like that, even if his contract isn't that bad, and even as, as you noted, I think rightly that, like, there's not really another good place necessarily where the Knicks would use that money outside of maybe to, like, take on a bad contract for a first-round pick which is something, I mean, I'm sorry for referencing them, but like the Nets did in their rebuild really smartly with Damari Carroll, and they found like a veteran who everyone thought was done, who actually helped their team, and simultaneously they got a first-round pick for him that I, I think, if I remember correctly, they turned into Jared Allen, though I'd have to I'd have to double-check that. So that, that that's one of the opportunity costs, and the other one, the bigger one for me, is just that he's on the floor taking a lot of shots and operating as the fulcrum of, of an offense when I would I'd rather like those opportunities be going to any of the Knicks young guys and I I, I just kind of think he's a waste of time because unlike you I'm not I'm not convinced that like in any system like he's really a, a positive player but I I do agree he deserves that chance to be under a good coach and he's not uh had that chance uh this year um well, I'm I just to, yeah go ahead yeah well I, I my final counter on sure, this one please. I think yeah I would say I don't think a good coach would use him as a primary option necessarily. He might be your leading scorer, but he's not going to be counted on as your like lead ball handler on so many possessions and not going to be counted on to ISO and all that stuff. Any coach not not named David Fisdale, like any head coach in the NBA probably is not going to use him the way that Fisdale uses him. And it's like a uniquely stupid way to use Julius Randle, which is to just take this north and south pick and roll threat and say, here, take this out on the out on the perimeter and try to break your defender down, the guy that's supposed to be guarding you, not a mismatch, nothing. Like, try to break your defender down who's most well-equipped to guard you off the dribble from the three-point line. Everybody else sit and watch. That's it. And maybe pass out the double if you can. But I don't I, – I think that one thing that I did give Randall a little too much credit for was his passing chops going into the season because he does not see out of – pressure situations as well as I thought he would. And that's been a problem. So you got to put him in less pressure situations, get him switched on to smalls more often, stuff like that. I mean, it's really basic stuff. Like it's literally like big man one-on-one and they've just been screwing that up royally with him. Um, The other thing, and I'm going to touch on this as little as humanly possible, but the, the thing with using that space to take on other, you know, take on bad contracts or whatever and acquire draft picks there was only, I think, two such moves like that this offseason. And it one was Alan Crabb from the Nets, and the other was uh, Iguodala, I think. Um, he got traded, right? That was the second one. And he got traded to Memphis. And, um, like, I don't know. It, it, to me, those sort of moves, there's only so many of them. And I don't think the Nets would have dealt with the Knicks because I think that would have just been like a moral high ground they would have taken and just been like, we're not going to trade with the Knicks. We're not going to give them a first round pick to take, to take our trash. You know what I mean? But the Knicks also had high hopes at that time of, you know, signing a bigger free agent. That's the thing you got to remember. 
is like that trade took place before the draft. So the Knicks were kind of screwed as far as that went, you know, because that was like a a trade that netted the Hawks a draft pick prior to the draft, not in the free agency period. And then the one with Iguodala, I mean, that was, I, I really think the only deal that happened like that into the free agency period, and we have not seen a single other deal like that. So there's only so many of those to go around. I mean, you could say all you want that the Knicks should hold on to this space because this opportunity might come along to pick up a guy for a first round pick, but when's that going to come? You know what I mean? It's it, like, are you going to wait all season on it? Instead, they took a chance on a guy that they think that they thought that they think maybe still could be a good player. And I don't fault them for that. And then they preserved all their cap space for years forward. I mean, really the only guy you're spending major money on is Randall beyond one season and he's only for two. So that's just kind of where I stand. I think that the whole, the whole, oh, they should have done it like the Nets thing is, it was something that was invented by like the like Bill Simmonsy types of the world just to be like, oh, the Knicks screwed this up, and it's like, yeah, but how many of those deals went down? Like if it was, if the if the league was chock full of those deals, all free agency, I would have been like, yeah, okay, the Knicks screwed up. Like ten of those deals went down; they weren't part of a single one of them. But like there was one, and like maybe two if I'm forgetting another one. Yeah, I think was, Mo, Mo Harkless to the Clippers. I think they got a first round pick for him, if I remember. Okay. All right. So that's, so two. So there was two, two such deals that went down and that's it. So that's kind of where I stand on that. I'm like, there's only two of those deals. Those deals might have even been discussed during the season already and they were just waiting to pull the trigger on them because that I think happens more often than not. I mean, because these teams talk all year, they talk to each other constantly. Uh, so, and the Knicks thought that they were in position to get free agents and so they probably weren't looking at those things preemptively as much as maybe they should have or whatever, but. I don't fault them for how they spent their money mostly over the off season. Anyway, let's finally freaking move on because I'm tired of this. Not, no, no offense to Osiris, but this literally just turned the whole podcast by itself. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, well, he knew he knew what he was doing when he asked that question. He's like, "This is really going to get him going." Is there any hope? Get oh, so distracted, and yeah. they'll be up until four in the morning talking about it. We, we, we yeah. see what you're doing, Osiris. Is, is there any hope that? Yeah, that's just big enough to get these so open ended. Oh my yeah, God. that's that, just open-ended to, to kill them for the whole time. That bastard. Um, <laughs> so Nurkic Circus, uh, who goes by at Architect Meb Great on name. Twitter, uh, asked, do you think Frankie Beep is here to stay in the starting lineup? I don't say that nickname because it's a stupid nickname. I'm going to call him the French Prince. We later settled on that. Do you think the French Prince is here to stay in the starting lineup? I hope so, regardless of who's coaching. Uh, I agree. I hope so as well. I think, I don't know, I, I I think if it's Mike Miller that takes over as coach, if it's, I don't think it's going to be Keith Smart because it sounds like he's going to leave with Fizdale if Fizdale gets fired. Maybe it's Caleb Canales, uh, but I feel like, you know, Canales or Miller, whoever the interim is, I think they'll leave Frank in the starting lineup. I, I don't think Frank's given anybody a reason to take him out of the starting lineup. Um, it's pretty obvious to anyone with the eyeballs that his defense, you know, is – game changing for the Knicks and when he sits it's often the the most impactful um time when a starter sits down as far as how the defense reacts and everything. And uh I would hope whatever, you know, whatever guy ends up coaching the Knicks next that they realize that as well and keep him. So I'm gonna say yes, barring any sort of hardcore regression of some sort, I think I think Frank's still in the starting lineup. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, they'd be he's as we've noted time and time again, he's been one of the few bright spots this whole year. Uh, statistically, their most impactful player in a positive way this season. Uh, I think whoever takes over will, if anything, be a little bit more analytically inclined than Fizdale and uh, continue to really ride him. To to be fair, I mean, as much as we've rightfully got after David Fisdale, one of the few good things he's done, and I mean, part of initially it was, I mean, the only reason he even tried it was because of total lack of options um, or, or alternatives, but he, he's consistently given Frank heavy minutes, and, and that, that has continued even with Dennis Smith Jr. returning and, and tonight with Alfred Payton returning, so uh, I, I hope I hope that whoever replaces Fizz can recognize oh, that this was one of the few things he was doing right. Um, Russell Hawkins at uh, Rush with two S's, uh, maybe Rush three two. I, I think that's Russ H, man. <laughs> what? Are you Russ kidding H, me? Man. Oh yeah, you know what? It's one four three in the morning. Just give me a break. <laughs> Russ H uh, thirty two. Yeah, you're you're right about that. It's Russ H. Um, uh, remember when the Knicks were quote unquote above the second class of free agents vocalizing they weren't interested in meeting with the Butlers or Kemba's? Dot, 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 dot of the world, I think is the implied statement there. Um, I do remember that, and I don't think they would have gotten those guys. I think that was sort of like a classic, like, Knicks under James Dolan move of saying, oh, uh, like finding out those guys weren't interested in them, be like, you know what, we're not even, we're not going to meet with them. I think if Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker had come out and said, I want to be a Nick, they would be on the Knicks, and they would have agreed to some sort of major contract. I don't know whether that would have been the right move or not. I think that's open to debate, and I'm not heartbroken that they didn't sign. Those guys like Jimmy Butler in particular, I don't think would have made any sense uh, on this team outside of the fact that they would have been a little bit more palatable uh, this year, but I, I think ultimately those guys didn't really have much interest in being on the Knicks. Yeah, I'm I'm like actually totally with you on that. I mean, I I just think, like, why would you have wanted to sign one of those guys? Like, they're, you know... Kemba went to the Celtics that was already a team that had an infrastructure in place. He essentially just slotted right in for Kyrie Irving, and they play essentially the same role, and that team was successful last year. So that was, like, tailor-made for him. Jimmy Butler's same sort of deal-ish. You know, like, the Heat with Spolstra are always kind of in the hunt, and they've always just kind of been, you know, a new superstar player away from being good again at any given time. Um, so I, you know, I don't think those guys would have made sense for the Knicks anyway. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think the Knicks, when they talked about that, they got asked directly about whether they would get those guys and they were like, no, we went with the way that we wanted to go and we didn't, we didn't want to sign any of those guys that we didn't necessarily think was a, a max level player to a max contract. And that was one of the few, I mean, if you want to argue that the way that the Knicks did things was bad, that you, you could argue that that was a smart way of going through things regardless, because if you had a guy like Kemba or something on the team right now, you'd just be toiling with this team that's clearly not ready to compete, and the situation would be no different than when he was, like, in Charlotte. So, and then you have this team that maybe makes it as an eight seed or something, if that, and just kind of, you know, toils, so... I mean, I guess I don't know if I don't know if Russ's uh, implication was that like the Knicks should assign these type of guys, but I wouldn't have still. I mean, I, I still wouldn't have gone after them because, especially now if they were coming by themselves. I mean, even if you could have teamed up Kemba and Jimmy Butler, 
and then filled out with whatever complementary pieces you could have fit around with exceptions and stuff. I, I still don't think you could have made a team that would have been good enough to actually, you know, compete in the East this year, uh, you know, even in a weakened Eastern Conference. So I, I had no problem with it then. I have no problem with it now. Uh, only only thing I'll add is, I mean, if those guys were, were willing to sign on the dotted line, I would have done it just because you could have had a Blake Griffin-type scenario where you could have dealt them at the deadline and, and definitely gotten assets for them, which is a dick move. But uh, I I think you have to do it. It's just I mean, that, that's why you can never, like, practically say no to those guys. But, again, just purely in, like, a basketball sense and, like, having them as long-term pieces on the Knicks, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I guess it just depends on if a team would sell themselves on that player, though, because the I feel like the Blake thing was a pretty rare instance. That doesn't normally happen. You know, normally when a guy signs a max deal like that, it's he's not getting traded till like the last couple years of the deal. Generally, like that yeah, that sure. scenario that scenario is so bizarre and not something that you ever see come up, really. Um, and you'd have to have another team that was as sold as you were on that player prior to the off season that also didn't just sign some other player that they like almost as much to fill that same spot. I, you know what I mean? Like it, it would have to be kind of a perfect storm thing. So I, guess but so, I, I but, get, I get yeah. where you're coming from. You like, you want to keep your options open, but I, I don't know if that sort of deal wouldn't necessarily materialize. I think with those two guys, you could you could find it because there's just there's so many small market teams that would never be like someone I think like Jimmy like, Butler's got too much of a rep at this point. I think his reputation is kind of forever sullied. I, I guess he's doing all right in Miami so far, but he's he's got a rep as like a young player hater and like a pretty abrasive guy in the locker room. Wait, but here is the thing: the Rockets are always going to trade for that dude. You could always get not that the Rockets have any assets left at this point, but you could always get like something from them. I, I don't know. That's I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate now, but and yeah. and I don't I don't really want to be doing that at 1:40 in the morning. So we'll keep it we'll keep it moving right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, this question from Daniel at 5000 Burr. Uh, how do you think a New York versus Westchester Knicks game would go or a best of seven series? I, I guess the... I, I think if we want to, like, I mean, I, I know this question was sort of like a joke slash a troll job on how bad the Knicks are, which totally in your right, Daniel. I, I snickered the first time I read it. Um, do you think, like, is there any scenario where if they were just playing like an eight minute to like 12 minute game where the Westchester Knicks could beat them? Because I remember over the summer, like where the NBA select team ended up beating the U.S. Olympians. Not that that's the same thing by any means, because those guys are way more talented. So like someone like Trey Young could go off and they could win on any given night. But it was just sort of familiar, similar and like reminded me that like, all right, over like a small enough sample size, like all these guys are so good, they could theoretically win a short game. 
But I mean, I mean, to answer the question, like, no, they wouldn't have, they would not win a full game or seven game series against the Knicks. But like a quarter, maybe. I don't know. What do, what do you think about that? Maybe one quarter. I'm gonna say uh, my prediction would be the Knicks would stomp them. But my spicy prediction is that Wooten on the Westchester Knicks, Kenny Wooten, would still win the series MVP because he's been getting a little spicy lately on social media and stuff with his likes and whatever and some of his tweets about the fact that he's still kind of stranded in Westchester and hasn't somehow been called up to the big Knicks yet. So that's my prediction. He would go full revenge game mode. Um, I'm assuming the Westchester Knicks would also have Kadeem Allen and uh, Ivan Rabb as well. They're two-way guys, so... Yeah, they can maybe steal one quarter, but otherwise they're getting smacked around. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, give him uh, Iggy, Iggy as well. I think, and I think Iggy's like confident enough that he could, he could have a game against. Them. Yeah, yeah, okay. If they get Iggy too, like that's like their. Uh, yeah, because we'll say that he couldn't be active on the Knicks roster for that game, so they deactivated him and and put him down in Westchester. That's cool. I'm good with that. I, they're still getting smacked regardless, but Iggy would, Iggy would, you know, go off a little bit from time to time. Uh, all right, next question, which is our second last on this pod uh, because again, we're doing three parts because there's so many questions that came in such a short amount of time. You guys are super awesome. Um, Russell Warshe, who just goes by at Russell Warshe on Twitter says, how will the Knicks be different if Mike Miller becomes head coach? I don't, um, I don't fully know the answer to that question. Gavin, I'm going to do my best to approximate something because I wrote, I actually wrote a little thing about Mike Miller um, before they hired Fisdale, when they were still looking at coaches after Jeff Hornacek got fired. Um, I was like, okay, what's, you know, what's the deal with this Mike Miller guy? Like the Westchester Knicks were really good that year. I thought, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this guy can potentially interview for the big job and maybe even be the right guy for it. Um, it was kind of before, like it was before Nick Nurse had become the coach of the Raptors, obviously. So that was kind of a big deal. But um, there were other guys floating around too from the G League. It was becoming kind of a hot thing to start looking at G League coaches. Um, Jerry Stackhouse was up for a bunch of NBA jobs that summer, if I remember right, too. Um, and there was, you know, a few guys floating around. It's like, okay, the G League has kind of established itself, so these coaches seem good. And so I looked into Miller, and like the big thing that stood out is that he makes the most out of what he has with his team on defense, especially. Um, and I think that he plays well to the strengths of his players as well. It, when people start looking up the stats, it's like, oh, they ran tons of, they ran tons of ISO down there. It's going to be no different. But the, the thing is, is that Miller, I think, was under a directive to prepare these guys for the big club. And so then, you know, he, he had like Trey Burke on the team who, you know, Trey Burke obviously is like an ISO and mid-range type guy, so he played to those strengths, and he had Trey Burke averaging like 30 points a game down the G League for the Westchester Knicks. And, you know, he's he's even managed to make, like, Isaiah Hicks look like a decent player down there, like averaging, you know, 15 points and 10 rebounds. And, like, Isaiah Hicks, like, objectively, all, positive, all apologies to Isaiah Hicks, but, like, he kind of sucks. Um you know, he's managed to make him look good. Like, he's made a lot of players look good down there. Uh, so I think the main things that we would see is guys in sensible roles. Our three-point rate might not be through the roof, but I think it would be acceptable. Um, and I think that he would implement a defensive scheme from the ground up and finally get something together 
just anything that's not just like switch everything or like we're going to stubbornly stick to this situational zone defense even when we're getting cooked for 60% three-pointer percentage like happened in the Nuggets game that we weren't going to talk about and we're still not going to talk about. But like, you know, just I think he would just do things that would make more sense and maybe the team still wouldn't be good, but I'd at least feel a little bit better about, about, you know, some of the young players in particular being put into roles that make sense for them, hopefully long-term and we'd start seeing some progress that maybe will carry over to long-term as well. Yeah. I, I don't want to add too much to that because I'd, I'd honestly be talking out of my ass. I, I just, I don't know a ton about him. Uh, I, I will say the one thing is I, I would, what I would hope for is uh, him being the uh, Nick nurse to David Fisdale's Dwayne Casey, just someone who, I mean, and I think, I mean, again, Casey's a much better coach than Fisdale, I would say. And I would guess that nurse is a much better coach than Miller. If it's not Miller would already be an NBA head coach somewhere because nurse is, is one of the best to do it. Uh, but I, I would hope that that comparison would sort of hold true, and Miller would just sort of cut out all the stupidity we're seeing with Fizdale. As we, we noted the way he's using Randall and some of his decisions in the rotations. Um, defensively, the insistence uh, on just cutting off the rim um, at the expense of all else, and, and I thought it was interesting that uh, Nick's film school did a really good job of breaking this down in their newsletter and, and kind of discussing how teams like the Bucks employ a very similar system but do so in a significantly smarter way. And part of that is that they have better defenders, but they're also just uh, more clever about how fully they commit to this. And, and tonight we saw it uh, just backfire in, in sort of uh, humorous and, and epic proportion as the Knicks just repeatedly allowed the Nuggets wide, wide open three-pointers because they would just – Every time a Nikola Jokic or Paul Millsap would even be within three feet of the basket, a guard would come out, and he wouldn't. The the beauty of, of modern NBA zone rules is you can shade towards a big and show help while still staying within contest distance on a shot. And instead of doing that, the Knicks would just have these hard doubles into the paint against two of the better passing big men in Jokic and Millsap. And Jokic, maybe the best of all time, and just make them have these like the easiest reads of their lives, like almost like they were playing an elementary school game and saying, all right, you're going to leave uh, Jamal Murray or Malik Beasley wide, wide open from three. Sure, uh, let him take it. And they would do so time and time again and just rip the Knicks apart. And Fisdale refused to adjust on this blatantly stupid strategy. So um, I'm getting fired up now um, in the middle of the night, but <laughs> my core point is I think Mike Miller would cut out some of that BS, which would be which would just be a joy. Yep, exactly. All right, I don't have anything more to add to that, but let's get into our final question because I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, this one comes from a uh, longtime PNT commenter who also interacts with us on Twitter, uh, Bugsy, who goes by Bugsy Sig and at Bugsy Sig on Twitter. He says, who's cuter? And I, I don't know how I'm going to answer this question. I promised myself I wouldn't think about it at all before I did it, and I just want to go completely off the dome. But who's cuter? Our baby boy Frank, a.k.a. you know Frank Nilakina, or Baby Yoda from The Mandalorian? Gavin, are you caught up on The Mandalorian? Um, I, I do have access to Disney+. Plus. Uh, shout out to a friend of the pod and uh, a college uh, sharpshooting intramural teammate, Jonathan Diego, who uh, gave it to me. But I'm not, I'm not caught up yet. I, I do, I have, I have seen Baby Yoda like anyone okay. with an internet so now, connection. This will be a spoiler free then, but. I, I hate to go say for it. Go for it. Yeah. I, I hate to say it's Frank, but Baby O is cuter. There's no doubt. Baby O is cuter. Um, I was going to say Frank, but now I'm looking. I Googled Baby Yoda to make sure I just don't have the meme, and there's one of him, like, 
playing with like a little like remote control thing, and he just has like yeah. this adorable smile on his face. I would say, can Dude. I say, I'll, I'll, can I just throw out Frank is a rookie when he was like full like baby still? I'll, I'll give it. I'll say him, but currently I'll, I'll give it to Baby Yoda. See, I still think it's Baby. See, this is where you gotta watch the show because okay. Baby Baby Yoda's not all about just the looks, man. Like he makes oh, all these makes little noises. Baby, he makes all these little baby noises too, and yeah. it's really cute. And like, I I won't tell you, but like at one point he like starts eating inappropriate things and stuff or whatever, <laughs> and it's hilarious. Frank never does that. I, yeah, I would Frank love never to... does any cute little things like that. You know, <laughs> Frank is very prim and proper. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so I I think it's Baby Yoda. I think Baby Yoda is definitely cuter than Frank. Yeah, and it's, I it's I will I will pull out an old cliche of NBA Twitter and I will say it is not particularly close <laughs> that you know Frank is anywhere close to Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is definitely cuter. Frank is Frank's more handsome. I'll give him that. He's definitely <laughs> more handsome, but Baby Yoda is cuter. All right. So a message to Frank: If you want to get back into this conversation, you need to start like teething on like an official's arm or maybe the maybe the basketball itself i, I don't know something, maybe something. he could eat a stroop waffle that might start to maybe. you know move things along um i gotta say i saw there was like a whole story written about that stroop waffle thing and the first part of it was about porzingis eating stroop waffles and i stopped reading right there so <laughs> big mistake writer i don't want to read about him eating yeah. stupid stroop waffles and it was against the knicks too no less i think it was like oh he went into msg and ate a stroop waffle at halftime like i don't care i don't yeah, they- care he lost that game he's a loser his team <laughs> sucks who loses to the knicks twice in one season this knicks team like come on I love, so, I love that we we came around to that. Uh, j- just to clarify, so Baby Yoda is, is actually is actually Yoda. It's the no, same. No, no, no. So, no. Uh, all right, not to nerd too much. Um, no, this is the time for it. We're like forty minutes in. No, everyone, everyone's tuned out. This is just for you and me. Yeah, just so basically, the Mandalorian is set um, after the fall of the Empire. So it's set between Episode Six and Episode Seven. So it's after after Vader and Palpatine, although. As we know from trailers, Palpatine's coming back in the new movie, which, you know, think what you want about that. I think it's stupid. Um, but, uh, uh, so it's after that, but before, you know, Finn and Ray and all that takes place in the in-between time. So no, it is not actually Yoda. Yoda's dead. Good. Okay. It's just, That's- it's just one of Yoda's species, but the, the species has never actually been named in Star Wars because it's like a mysterious species. So he's just a, a baby Yoda because he doesn't have a name either. He's just like, as per the official like show materials, it's just called the child. Like, and that's it. That's all you know. Okay. That's perfect. You know, you've, you've inspired me. Maybe, maybe I'll go watch an episode tonight. Uh, on that, yeah. So it's amazing. It's a really good show. Okay. I'll, ri- I'll rip through them. All right. Uh, on that happy note, by the way, I've been, I've been taking advantage of my, uh, Disney plus access to rewatch, uh, all the Marvel movies and, and not to, we, we could, we could spend an hour on this, but age of Ultron has gone up in my estimation. Better, better movie than you remember. I like hated it at the time. Oh no, I liked, I liked it. Off. Yeah. I like that better on rewatch too. When I watched it recently, like once you like know what you're getting into it, it gets better. It's pretty good. And some solid, solid, solid dialogue in there. All right. I had two really, yeah. really big heavy lifting for setting up the story for a lot of movies. And I didn't get the credit for that time. But now that I realize what had to be done in that movie, I appreciate it way more. Yeah. And some of the, some of the fight scenes are actually pretty good, but we will, that, that is for another day and maybe another mailbag. Uh, for now, we will wrap up this part two.
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.